friends. Welcome to the show. This is Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke Lamastra. Really pumped that you're here checking this out, whether you're here live or catching this later on one of the podcast platforms or however you're catching this podcast. Really appreciate you guys for being here and checking this out. I'm really pumped today to have with me Jeff Dio. Uh, you might know Jeff as one of the founding members and former lead singer of the Grammy-nominated Dove Award-winning band Sonic Flood. Jeff was the lead singer of Sonic Flood at their inception in 1999 and uh, was with the band for their first two albums. I mean, you remember songs like I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, I Want to Know You, Open the Eyes of My Heart, you know, like some of those biggest worship songs of all time. <laughs> Jeff is currently a worship pastor at Celebration Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, as well as a professor at North Central University in Minneapolis traveling the world, teaching, leading worship, and coaching worship teams. And uh, his book, Awakening Pure Worship, is helping people around the world to cultivate a deeper friendship and intimacy with God. Jeff, it's just uh, it's great to meet you, man. Really appreciate you. I'm pumped for this conversation, so thanks for being here. Thanks, Duke, man. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on here with you. Awesome, brother. Well, yeah, so why don't we go? I gave a little bit of an overview, but uh, if you could just share... From your perspective, just a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your origin story, backstory, and uh, maybe as part of that, I would love to just hear a little bit about something that you are uh, just personally passionate about in your life as far as what you want people to know about God, about Jesus, about worship, about whatever. So yeah, let's just kind of have some right. background as we get started. Sounds good. So back in 1969, <laughs> okay, okay, let's start off. Back Maybe in the 1900s, yeah. wait, back in the 1900s, um, no, uh, <laughs> it's so funny to say that these days, you know, I, I work with college students and, you know, that most of them were in 2021s now, so of course, most of them were born in the 2000s, and so it's just so funny to tell them old stories about the 1900s, you know. So yeah, man, uh, but <laughs> it feels it feels so crazy. The crazy thing is that kids born in 2000 are 21 years old now. That just seems like it doesn't insane. even compute with my mind yet. It's crazy. It really is. Mean. It really is. So, anyways, but you know, I actually did give my heart to Christ when I was really young, uh, when I was four years old. And, you know, it obviously changed my life. I grew up in an amazing Christian family. Uh, my dad has been in Youth for Christ for, he, and he still is. He's 81 and he's still in Youth for Christ part time. Uh, he's 56, cool. 57 years, something like that. Uh, so you can see like there's this heart for ministry, but then also a heart for the next generation uh, that's just kind of embedded in me. Uh, I probably assumed I was going to be in Youth for Christ when I was younger, but I started taking piano lessons when I was six. And it stuck for me. You know, every good mom and dad puts their kid in piano lessons or something. Right, you know? right. it, it actually became something that was a big part of my life. Started writing songs when I was in middle school. And uh, I learned real quick, Duke, that if you if a, if a guy sits on a, at a piano uh, and starts playing songs, the girls gather around. So <laughs> it was like, yeah. hey, I, I learned I have some uh, something good here. That's but why, no, that's and, why we no, do most of those things when we're young, right? Most of the decisions we make are... What you causes know? the girls to come around? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not saying it was the main focus. I'm just saying it was an after, you know, it was just it just worked out. It was the fruit. It was of, a bonus. It was a bonus. It was a yeah. bonus. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. So, but yeah. And then in high school, I think I really started seeing my worlds come together in the sense that I loved music. 
I love God and I love people. And I started having a real burden for my peers in high school. You know how it seems like you grow up with, if, if you grew up in the church, then a lot of times all your friends are Christians and everything. And then, But as you grow older, it feels like some of them begin to fall away and make some poor decisions and things. And, and so I just had a real heart for them and started writing Christian songs, you know, that would hopefully make an impact on their lives, on my peers' lives, hopefully touch the world in some way. You know, I grew up a huge Christian music fan. I listened to a lot of secular music as well. Phil Collins, Chicago back in the day, those yeah. types of bands and stuff. But I mean, goodness, I was a huge Michael W. Smith fan. I mean, I had a life-size picture on my wall, you know, and <laughs> and uh, just all the, you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman, DC Talk. Come on, somebody. Carmen? Uh, How about Carmen? <laughs> Carmen, you know, <laughs> I liked his story songs, but the other stuff seemed was a little cheesy to me. But there was some, there was some <laughs> cheesy stuff, but it was it was pretty epic. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, all that stuff just kind of led me on this path and, you know, uh, there was certainly a, a hunger at that time to do what God wanted me to do. And it felt like music was kind of that calling, even though there was definitely people whispering, going, you know, don't do music. It's too hard. You know, it's too difficult. You got to have something to fall back on, which I appreciate all of those, you know, all that guidance. But at the end of the day, all that matters is what God's called you to. You know, so mm. if music was the thing that God had for me, it didn't matter how unlikely it, it was to, to make a living or whatever. I just wanted to follow him. So yeah. uh, that's something I did. I, I went to Wheaton College, started there, uh, and then I transferred to Anderson University where I graduated. also met my amazing wife, uh, Martha. Uh, we've been married now for 29 years. Come on, somebody. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so we met in college at Anderson. Both of us were music business majors. Uh, that's where I really started recording and and really honing my writing skills. I mean, goodness sakes, Gloria Gaither was my songwriting teacher, man. I mean, <laughs> really? I mean you, can't, uh, you can't get better. So, uh, and I still, what's ironic is, you know, you fast forward to now and I'm actually teaching songwriting at North Central University. Uh, and I still use some of those principles, you know, even though things have so changed. Good. But uh, so I have my wife, Martha, uh, 29 years. And then we also, we, we moved to Nashville after we graduated. And uh, we have four incredible children. I've got Roman, who is 18 and just started college. Holy cow, I can't believe it. Wow. You know about those wow. kids that grew up. He was born in 2002. Man, I can't wow. believe I have a kid in college. It's nuts. But uh, then I have a That's senior. <laughs> His name is Evan. And then I've got uh, Channing, who's in sixth grade, and Clara, who is in uh, fourth grade. And then we have a little dog named Master Shifu. Yes, he's named after Master the Kung Shifu. Fu Panda. Kung Fu that's Panda good. character, Master Shifu, Mr. Master Shifu. So yeah, that's our family. <laughs> but uh, so, cool. but you know, along the way, um, I honestly do. I didn't grow up with worship in church the way that we kind of know it today. Uh, definitely more conservative church, um, where you had a piano on one side, an organ on the other. You know, uh, we sang two hymns standing up and maybe one sitting down after being exhausted after those first two, you know, and uh, stanzas one, two, and four, never three. Um, and, and light, light. <laughs> my Why is that? Why is that? 
you know, I think three was no good. No, I think we were just, you know, trying to get get through it. You know, get through it. I don't know. It's a lot it of seems, it seems like it seems like that's that always happens. I just curious why <laughs> totally, that is. Totally too much music. I don't know, but you know, from my limited perspective, when I look back on that, I mean, I don't blame anybody for this, but I just I didn't have any perspective that there could be a vertical connection with music in church. Uh, to me, what was being demonstrated was this kind of horizontal communal thing, which is really part of it. I mean, certainly right. the community aspect of worship, singing together, singing theology, those types of things. But I never had any inkling that there could be a connection with God vertically in that church service, which is really funny for people who grew up, you know, right. that that was the main focus, you know? So uh, yeah. I'm just so grateful. The Lord has opened my heart and, and just led me down a path of learning and growth and, and seeking him in the secret place with worship and study of the word and prayer, uh, as well as in the public place in a church setting uh, where we're all in this together seeking to grow uh, in God. So I think that's probably the number one thing you mentioned, just something that you would, sure. that I would, you know, challenge people or, or want, want to help people with. And that is, man, out of the way that God has changed my life through walking in his presence, uh, both behind closed doors and in the public, uh, I just have seen how God has changed my life and how he's invited me into this incredible adventure of walking together with him and that that really is the main point. I think that's probably my biggest heart. If there's any kind of pushback to Christian culture or anything, it's that I just want so much for people to get back to the main thing, to understand that everything we do, whether it's ministry, discipleship, evangelism, all these things, it's all so that it should funnel into uh, this relational connection with God for all of eternity. You know, we're just yeah. looking to restore what God uh, had with Adam and Eve in the garden where he walked and talked with his creation. And that's what it's yeah. all about. So that's my heart. So good. I love it. I, I love the fact just kind of resonating with something you just said at the end there. I, I love, I love the fact that here on the earth, I, I don't think we think about this a whole lot here on the earth. Like we have such an opportunity in the way that we approach and worship God that like, we're going to be in his presence, like in, in a perfect capacity for all of eternity, right? We're going to be with him forever. Yeah. There's going to be no question there about, do I feel like worshiping today or not? Right. But the fact that we have that now, <laughs> like in the midst of circumstances and problems and challenges and people, like a lot of it comes from people, right? But like yeah. in the midst of, of, of so many things that we go through in that, in that like battle, mind battles that we have, the fact that we get to like, even when we don't want to, even when there's not that desire there, the fact that we get to choose worship, yeah. I think that that's a really profound way that we can like move the heart of God today. Mm -hmm. It's like even even when when my circumstances are telling me something different, God, I'm going to choose to worship you right now. I'm going to choose to yeah. give you this. And that's something that I don't think we're going to have after this life. It's like yeah. it's like we have this unique opportunity now to choose worship uh, you know, in potentially like moments where we might not necessarily want to, it might be that sacrifice of praise kind of thing, or, yep. you know, when the enemy's coming after you, or you feel like you're under attack, or you feel like things are falling apart, when you just choose worship, I think that that so moves the heart of God. And it also so like, ticks off the enemy and drives him away from you. You know what I mean? When you choose to like, I'm not going to complain, I'm going to give you 
what you really deserve right now, God. And that's just, I might not even have great words, but it's just my heart connecting with you in the midst of wherever I'm at right now. I just think that's such a beautiful thing that, that we get to experience here on the earth, you know? Yeah, I agree, man. I really do. It's, it's amazing to think of the difference between what will be like in heaven, uh, you know, and, and versus yeah. what we have now. We do have an odd situation, right? I mean, we're here on this yeah. physical planet where all the physical stuff is just pointed in our face all the time. And the spiritual side, which is really greater in its impact overall, it sometimes gets lessened. And so we have to fight through, hey, I can't see God. How can I worship him? What I'm trying to have this relationship with a being. I have relationships with lots of other beings that I can see and touch and yeah. all those things. And I can't see and touch in the physical realm now. But to think that, you know, I mean, I, I love to think of us as worship leaders, of myself as a worship leader uh, who's trying to help make that connection. You know, it's like we're trying to help. But when we get to heaven, honestly, there's not going to be a need for a worship leader, you know, because it's like Jesus is right there. You don't have to go, hey, guys, you should worship this guy you know? <laughs> because nobody's going to have any questions. Nobody's going to be, it'll just be obvious, bam, on the ground or bam, hands lifted or bam, dancing or whatever. So it's going to be awesome. I, I think you're right, too, about like I, I talk about this a lot, how we have this mentality in church or in Christianity that everything is, I have to, you know, like, Oh, yeah. you know, I have to worship. Do I have to worship? Do I have to read my Bible? Do I have to, you know, uh, you know, uh, respond to God? Do I have to lift my hands? Do I have to sing. And really the, the truth is we get to, you know, we get to do that. Even like you said, in the midst of the pain, whether you're Paul and Silas in a jail in a prison cell, you know, and you're like, I don't really feel like worshiping right now. Or whether you're the pastor of a church or a worship leader and you don't feel like worshiping God right mm -hmm. then, you know, you worship by faith. You step into it and you say, man, I get to. I'm invited by the king of kings to come and fellowship with him. You know, so I'm going to get past my feelings on, on the matter and I'm going to step wow. into it and it'll change my life. Wow, that's so good. Uh, Jeff, I have sort of a sideline question that I thought of. I was wondering, like, because you said you got saved when you were four, right? Yeah. Growing up in a Christian household with parents who were in ministry and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is something I'm always curious about. Like, what was your parents' approach toward you, like toward your spiritual growth? Were they kind of, <clears throat> were, were they kind of, I don't mean this in a negative way, but were they more like pushy about it? Like, oh, like pushing you? Were they more like hands off or somewhere in the middle? Like, what was their sort of approach to to you and like your yeah. growth in, in Christ while you were a kid? It's a great question because as a parent, I know that this is constant balancing act. You know, you're, you're constantly yeah. like walking the high wire here trying to figure out how much do I push? How much do I get involved? How much do I say? How much do I back off? You know, because obviously the end goal is to try to create or facilitate or cultivate a person that is hungry for God on their own. You know, it's like, you, God has no grandchildren, right? So it's like you can't, they can't grow up and go, oh, well, my parents were a Christian and that's it, you know? So you're trying to yeah. hand them the baton and then have them willingly grab it and take it and be excited. And, you know, I talk right. to our, our students and say, guys, like God can't be your mommy and daddy's God. He's got to at some point become your God. You have to make a decision. Are you going to follow him? Are you going to obey him? Do you want close fellowship with him? All those things. So um, I think my parents, 
did about as good a job as you can do. I uh, will say that we were we grew up in a fairly conservative church, so we didn't really talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, um, which I I feel like I did miss some things there because I feel like we didn't really t- fully understand the way that God can give us the power to do all the things and become who he's called us to be. It was more like we have to do it through discipline and hard work okay. instead of by faith through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. but, but they had me, you know, reading my Bible and praying. Uh, we did family devotions together. You know, I'm sure I never, I didn't feel like doing those devotions all the time. Just like my kids don't always feel like doing them when we do them. But, uh, but hanging out together, learning to read the word, uh, learning to um, pray. You know, I mean, my parents had us, you know, create like a prayer guide. So we'd have different things to pray for throughout the week. It would kind of in a rotation or whatever. And I still do some of that with my kids uh, to this day. I think um, so. So I think that all really worked out great. There was a moment in at a middle high, middle school camp that I was at that I think just took everything to the next level for me in my walk with God. There was a, a lady at the camp. We got kind of put into these different groups, and uh, there's this lady that was teaching us how to read the Bible, and she had us reading four chapters a day. She's like, "Here, read a Psalm, read a Proverbs, read uh, Old Testament and a New Testament passage every day." And she had all these you know, things. I remember her telling us, you should pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding every day. Duke, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was doing it. You know? And I'm like, to this day, I feel like those prayers changed my life. You know, So if I could say one thing that I would do different if I – well, and I do different now with my approach with my kids is because of my understanding of the engagement of relational aspect of this time with God, I think – um, I, I didn't really, again, make the connection with prayer and, 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 uh, reading my Bible in a relational sense, just like I didn't with worship. So I've number one, I've added worship, the worship component, the musical worship, let's call it that mm-hmm. the musical worship component to my time with God and to our time as a family with God. So those three things, reading the Bible, prayer and musical worship in our home, uh, which oftentimes is not done. And then trying to help my kids understand that, look, prayer has to be relational. It can't be me just coming to God, asking him for stuff. And we get that in a sense, but a lot of times we still gravitate to all of the asks first instead of, I just want to hang out with you, God. You know, if my if my kids came to me constantly and said, Dad, can I have the car keys? Can I have... What's for dinner? Uh, can I have some money? Can I, you know, can you help me with your homework? And that was our only conversations. I don't think we really have a relationship. That's when my little nine-year-old Claire comes to me. She sits on my lap and she says, Daddy, I love you. And I'm thinking to myself, what does she want? And then she just skips <laughs> off away, you know, and that's, wow. like, oh my goodness, we have this mm-hmm. fellowship that we have together. So that with yeah. prayer, that with reading the word. I would say it this way, Duke, and I talk about this in my book. Um, we don't read the word of God so that we can know the word of God. We read the word of God so that we can know the God of the word. Mm. And to me, that's a huge okay. paradigm shift. 
you know, because there's a lot of people out there that just read the word because they think they're supposed to. They have to. You know, I need to read the word. I need to understand the word. I even heard a popular evangelist one time say, the reason we read the word is so that we can know our identity and who we are. And I'm telling you, I agree, Duke, that that is one of the reasons, but it's not the primary reason. Right. The primary reason is to understand the character of God so we can know him. It's a portal. The, the Bible is a portal to knowing God. It's it's alive, right? It is the word. It is Jesus. Yes. And so it's meant to help us understand him so that we're in, when we're in the darkness and there's lies from the enemy coming, we can recognize the voice of Christ and say, no, that's a lie. I know my God. I know how he speaks. I know how he talks. Because I've read his word and I know him personally mm. through his word. And so that relational component and the same thing with worship music too, that it's easy to kind of like connect to a song or connect to an artist or connect to talent or the atmosphere in a room or in a public setting. But I just really challenge our worship leaders and just anybody who will to say, look, we've got to make sure that we are actually connecting with God. Because I felt like I was at a conference um, I don't know, 10 years ago, leading worship for a big youth conference. And the Lord was just teaching me as I was leading worship. He's like downloading to me. And he's like, Jeff, there are people that come into this con these conferences. They come to church. They connect horizontally with the people on stage, with the songs, with their favorite songs. You know, they connect with artists. They connect with the atmosphere in the room. They even connect with other people connecting with God. And they mm -hmm. walk out going, right. wow, what a great experience. Having never connected relationally with the wow. creator. Wow. And that's scary to me because, I mean, I think that happens yeah. every day in church. It could happen to me if I'm not sure. paying attention, you know. Sure. That's a long answer, but <laughs> it's important <laughs> to me. Those things are so important. Yeah, man. I, it reminds me of uh, in John chapter 5, and Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and he's like, you guys, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. Yes. And these are they which testify of me. But he says, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. It's so it's so interesting how we can approach God from a purely religious mindset. We can approach God from this perspective of all these things that we have to do. Like even, for example, like what you were saying a minute ago about reading four chapters of Scripture a day. Like we could we could take that and I could approach God with that as just something. Oh, I got to do this. It's my religious chores. My religion. The lady told me I got to do it if I want to be spiritual. So exactly, exactly. And coming at it from this place of works yeah. or we could do that same thing, the same activity, but from a totally different mindset where it's God, I'm not doing this because I have to, because if I don't, you're going to be disappointed with me. It's not about that at all. I'm doing this because I get to, because I love you, because I want to know you more. And the, the difference is obviously the difference is night and day. Cause on the one hand you get Pharisees, yep. <laughs> right? People that think that it's all about just the stuff that they do to get closer to God or be pleasing to God or whatever. And God's just so not about that. He, he, like we start off with him in this place of being fully accepted, fully loved, fully justified by his grace, redeemed, like, get yes. like access to his presence to his grace mm -hmm. to to everything he gives us everything yeah and it's just okay now how do we respond you know how do we respond to him that's kind of how i i think about a lot of this stuff about worship in general is like like i'm responding to your goodness i'm responding to to you to who you are yeah i mean yeah. to me that is what worship is and really when i say worship again it's bigger than musical 
Sure. But it's, I love your word response. I also love your word access. Like those two words are so powerful to think that we have access. Like it should blow our minds that we have access to the creator of the universe. You know, like he tore the veil, you know, it wasn't just that Jesus died for my sins. Yay. I'm forgiven. Oh my goodness. It's so much more than that. I mean, that's powerful. Obviously we can't come into the presence of God without our sins being forgiven, but that ripping of the veil, this, the, 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 truth that we can now each come we don't have to just wait on the priest to go we can each individually as a kingdom of priests come into the presence of god we have access mm. oh but then that that term response to uh the way i see worship is it's a response to a revelation so mm. what i mean is you know revelation is just of course a fancy word right for just understanding so spiritual understanding we've had a revelation it's how he got saved you know, it's not like one day you just woke up and went, I need a savior. You know, there had to be some sort of revelation that through a teaching or through the word or through the Holy Spirit or something that told you, hey, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. That's a, oh, my goodness. I, I understand, you know. And so I repent. I yes. respond to that revelation. I respond yes. and I confess my sins and I turn to God. I turn away from my sin. I turn to God. I, I ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Same thing with worship. Like you can't worship a God you don't know. Like if you don't have any revelation of who he is, you can't respond to that. So the greater the revelation, which of course takes act, you know, you you have to respond to that invitation that he's given you to come into his presence and get to know him, to read his word, to, to, you know, to seek him as a person. And then as you, as he reveals more and more of himself to you, now you can respond in a greater way. People are like, you know, I'm kind of bored with Christianity or, you know, worship's boring boring, or the word is boring. Like, man, you have no revelation because small revelation equals small response, right? Wow. I mean, Jesus Jesus told the, uh, the woman uh, who poured the perfume on his feet, or said about her, you know, she responds with extravagant worship because she recognizes that she's been forgiven much. She gives much, she worships much, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. Mm. And of course he wasn't saying to the Pharisees, thankfully you don't have to be forgiven much because you're so holy. You know, he was saying, no, everybody's in the same shoes as the woman. We all have been forgiven much and thus should love much. Yes, man, that's so good. Yeah, like the more, the more revelation that we have of him. I love that. You, I love the way that you put that. The, the more we receive revelation of him, the more he's revealed to us, the more we discover who he is and how good he is. It just becomes the normal, natural response to just worship, to just want to go deeper, to want to know more. Yeah. Like what you said there about being bored. Like, how dare we? <laughs> no. Like I've been there. I've been there, man. Like at several points throughout my life where it's like, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, pr- like, I don't want to talk to God and, and just making yeah. it about all these. And I think, I think that that really is such a scheme of the enemy to try to keep us in that place. That's what, that's what religiosity does. Like when there's no joy there, it just becomes something you have to do. And then we kind of get this false sense of joy. It's not real joy, but we sort of get this false sense of achievement or accomplishment out of working hard to please God. Yes. When that's God's so heart for that. us. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, oh, man, did you see how many hours I spent praying today? Mm, like, okay. Yes. Very impressive, Thanks. dude. Very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you know about this, but I'm kind of a big deal, Jeff. <laughs> I love Pray. it. I love Lots it. of hours. <laughs> no, and it's just so crazy. 
it's um, it, is. it is it's not necessary that some so many things that we do i think in our pursuit of god which is which is obviously good and it's obviously important and required to to, to yes. pursue him to go after him but uh yeah i think the the way that we the way that we think the way that our mentality is um you know we can do it from such a such a negative motivation and so often without even realizing it so not in not i'm not even saying this in a condemnation way for anybody so often it's just we don't know we yeah. just kind of do what we've been told or maybe we've had bad teaching or incomplete teaching i should say yeah and so we just think that all this other stuff is required of us and it's really not like yeah. at the end of the day god really just wants you yes he really just wants you because he's in love with you Yes. And he knows that you giving yourself to him is actually the best thing in the world that you could ever do, like for yeah. yourself. He's not egotistical, trying to get worship out of us because just give me worship. But like, no, it's the best thing in the world for us when we receive that satisfaction from him. And so, yeah, when it comes from a place of joy and uh, from a place of knowing that we're accepted and that we're that we're loved and all of that, then uh, that's what I think this journey with jesus the prayer and work like all of it just really becomes more and more enjoyable and 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 life-giving and satisfying yes yes it's interesting too because you know i i hear i hear people talk about this word striving like you know and and, and we have songs even that that say you know we don't want to strive and and what i realized like we, we do this with words a lot we throw out a whole word uh instead of throwing out the bad part of that word, you know, like, I think we do that with the word performance or um, even the word, I don't know. There's so many different words that we throw out. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe for the church, we, we do that with dancing. You know, it's like, Oh, dancing is wrong. You know, we've seen a bad example of dancing. So therefore we throw out the, the whole idea of dancing instead of realizing that dancing has been, was created by God to bring him glory. And then man has perverted it. You know, yeah. so you have this, uh, this idea of striving and people are like, don't strive. Now, you know, obviously if your definition of striving is trying to make it to heaven on your own and doing works, then yeah, that's good. You don't want that. But it's like, you feel like they feel like there's these two things. It's either striving or not, you know, like I think the problem, the issue is that we're striving for the wrong thing. It's not that we're striving, we're striving for the wrong thing. Like we should pursue God. There's millions of scriptures in there, not millions, but <laughs> hundreds of scriptures that, that call us to work or to pursue or to go after something, but it's after God and it's by faith in his power and the Holy spirit. So yeah, I say it's the issue is not striving. It's that you're striving for the wrong thing. And so strive work in, you know, even Paul said, I work harder than all of the apostles, but it's Christ working through me. And so that's that beautiful partnership, yeah. that marriage, as we trust him by faith, we can read, you know, read our Bibles and we can seek him and we can pray and we can pursue, we can fast. We can do some of the difficult things of the kingdom by faith. And that's a good thing. Uh, and so I, I just like that, that twist on that uh, paradox there. So cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it changes everything. It changes everything when you get your perspective right, when you when you start from the right place, when you start from the place of knowing that, like, I'm not doing any of this because I have to because I need to please God by doing stuff. But like, no, I am pleasing to God. He has set me free. He has changed my life. 
So now this is why I respond this way. And this is why I do these things that it, it and it's yeah. Yeah. I think I, I know that for me, like I lived for so many years of my life and, and I can still fall into that for sure. Like not that I've been totally like I'm perfect at this or anything, but, of course. but for a long time, it was like a, a big deal, like a big struggle uh, in my mind of always feeling like I'm not doing enough for God. I'm not doing enough for God. And it just, it becomes unenjoyable and just causes you like, you know, so many people I think end up just, well, I'm not even going to like do this at all anymore because right. what's the point? It doesn't, it, it always just feels like I, I'm not getting through or I'm not doing enough. Like I'm not good yeah. enough. And you know. one of my mentors and friends, Chris Dupre, he's an author. Uh, I love what he, the way he says this. He says, we don't worship God to gain his affection. We worship him because we already have it. Like yes. we, it's a, like you, as you said earlier, it's a response to the fact it's like people are, get all freaked out. Like, Oh, you know, there's this fight between we have to be good to be able to enter the kingdom or you, you that's not, that's not, that's works. You know, there's that fight there. Well, what if it was that we don't have to be good to become children of God, but because we are children of God, we can be good. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's my quote. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. that reverse thinking though. But it's the same thing that Chris Dupre said. It's like, we're responding to who we are, who he says we are, instead of trying to become something that we hope he thinks we are. You know. Yes. Love it. Love it. So, uh, Jeff, you've been uh, obviously you've been leading worship for a number of years and uh, still today leading worship and, and teaching others and coaching worship teams and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I used to I, I rarely lead worship these days as far as publicly goes. But for at the beginning of, of my ministry, my wife and I, we would lead worship a lot. We worked in a house of prayer. Um, and so minimum two hours a day, sometimes four, sometimes six hours a day of like just of leading worship. And then we were like wow. forming teams and in part, you know, just like all different kinds of stuff. And like, I don't know, I, I guess I'm, I'm curious about like, how do you feel about some of the the terminology that we use in worship? So like, I know for me, like looking back on some of those like early days of worship leading and like, like looking back, like, what was I saying? Like, what was I talking about? Like, I think sometimes in the songs that we sing and in the things that we say and express with good intentions, like trying to get people to worship. And I think all I think most worship leaders are like a little bit emo, at least to, to a certain extent. Of, you know what I mean? That like breaking my heart out. And so just like, God, fill us with your presence. And God, we want like these things and, and look and just, OK, do I actually know what I'm saying? Right. Like, do I actually know what I'm talking about or am I just quoting things that I've heard them said before? And it feels sincere in the moment. Sure. But uh, I'm, I'm just curious, like, because I'm sure you've experienced that and seen that a lot and, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, just curious, like how you how you feel about that. Um, and like, I, I guess in terms of worship leaders and even just worshipers in general, as we all are, um, recognizing where we are and like the the meaning behind the things that we're saying and, and stuff like that like how important would you say that that like is that something that you focus on when you teach yeah. and stuff like that or yeah it's a great question i think there's a couple different things we can touch on here um you know one is just there's a hunger for authenticity you know i think sure. that plays into this because we've all been in situations where it feels like the worship leader is using a religious phrase to make a transition 
you know, like, hey, let's lift yeah. up a shout of praise. Come on. And we, the band transitions to the next song and we move on. You know, it's like a cover up moment or, you know, it, it's it just, oh, let's lift up our hands, you know, or, or we're just trying to or shout or something like that. And it just feels or, or they're just they always say the same thing, you know, like, hallelujah, praise God, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of always the same thing that they're always saying between every song. And it does feel ingenuine. You know, um, and so that's one of the things we talk about quite a bit at North Central, where I teach and and at Celebration at my church. Uh, we're just saying we, we really want to be authentic, which means, I mean, we obviously we all have habits. We're going to say some things like the same way that we say them. Sure. But I'm trying to stay organic and raw in the same way that I would in my personal time with God, the way that I talk to him. Now, at the same time, our language is limited. Like you think about the word awesome. Like, I mean, we, we, we laugh about how we call God awesome and then we call pizza awesome too, you know, right. that type of thing. But the word awesome, it doesn't even come close. You know, it doesn't even like, like, yes, there should be a huge difference between pizza awesome and God awesome, but, but awesome doesn't do it either. Or like great, magnificent, yeah. wonderful, enormous, you know, <laughs> incredible God, you know, just, it still falls way short. So you could, of course, abandon all language and say, well, it's pointless. I don't have, there's nothing I can say. Or I just say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what I have. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to say what I'm feeling here. So there's a little bit of a wrestling match yeah. there, I think, where we're yeah. trying to make our language meet up with the God who made the universe, who spins the earth on his finger like a basketball. You know, it's like, how do you, how do you put that into words? Um <laughs> I don't know if you have specific examples or anything. I don't know if I'm even touching on what you're saying, but um, yeah, we have all of our phraseology and stuff. I think you have to think about what you're saying. I think that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing, yeah. right? That's I mean, where, that's where I was going. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm like, well, and to me, it all starts with, with this book because I, you know, I, I try to teach our worship leaders that they need to have a well to draw from when they're on stage. Now that's not the purpose of having a well, but you can't, you, you don't have anything to draw from on a stage if you haven't dug a well privately in your time with God. And what I mean by that is just cultivating a true, authentic walk with God. You know, mm, people yeah. want to jump to the public. I want to be great in public, you know, public ministry. But the only way to be great in public ministry is to cultivate a private ministry to God, just you and him. Right. And when you have that well that's filled with the word, who is the character of God, the words of God, you know, that's where the language of praise yes. and worship comes from is right here. So if I'm saying things that come out of this book, there's a, that, that are in my heart, not just memorized, right? Mm. They're in my heart. They're part of my relationship. I've had revelation of this aspect of God's character, you know, like even just something as simple as God is slow to anger and full of unfailing love. I mean, just that thing, having that in your heart, that changes me to know that he's slow to anger. I'm so happy because so many times I'm not slow to anger. And I yeah. know what that means that he's slow to anger with somebody who deserves probably to be, you know, for him to have anger toward me for some of the things I've done. And so it moves me to worship. And then I want to repeat some of those things on the stage in my worship. I want to be like, God, you're slow to anger. I'm so thankful. You know, uh, it changes yeah. my language yeah. when I have a well to draw from of authentic relationship.
That's so good. I love that you said that. That's that's so key right there is the the word of God having that foundation of God's word, his truth within you, like the knowledge of who he is so that, yeah, because I mean, I heard, you know, when, when you're up there, there were times where I'd start leading worship at six in the morning and my set would end at eight, but then at seven 55, someone would walk up to me and be like, Oh, the eight o'clock worship leader is not going to be here. So you got to keep going. And like, it was so easy to run out of words, like to run out of things to say. And especially for, okay. So here's the thing that I even tell you, like, I was I was in Mexico. Yeah. My wife and I were, were uh, coordinating a house of prayer in Mexico. Okay. And at the time, like I was, my, my Spanish is decent now, uh, like fairly fluent. But but at, but in some of those early days, it was like not all there. And so I would just be trying to like, I'd just be saying the same things like over, <laughs> trying to study the word in Spanish, which was tricky because it was the way that Gracias, señor. <laughs> to gloria que venga to gloria like that was the thing like your glory let your glory come like 50 times right. throughout throughout right. the two hours like, it was just um but yeah like and th- and like th- we're having fun here right like this is yeah. um wherever ever wherever anybody is god loves the way that you worship god mm-hmm. loves the way that you that you um just even like in simplicity just talk to yeah. him and yeah. uh but yeah but i do think that over time the growth in that the growth of you know fueling this passion that's within you with more than just like the typical things that you hear people say but having that that depth of the word of god um you know hiding his word in your heart meditating on his word on his promises on his nature understanding his nature and who he is and it really does give you more sort of fodder it gives you more um you know more to pull from like you called it a well yeah it gives you that that you can pull from and draw from um that just i think it it just adds to relationship with him when we have more to say you know same thing in the relationship with people with our spouses and all of that kind of stuff you know it it just gives you more to uh to draw from and and relate to to him more absolutely it's good (laughs) So, like, I wanted to ask you just a little bit, um, man, it's so crazy. We've already done, like, 45 minutes almost. So, uh, <laughs> but just, like, um, Sonic Flood, man, because it was such a, those, that was, like, my prime. So, 1999, I would have been, like, 13 years old. Wow. So, I was a kid in youth group, and I was just, uh, I remember, man, like, I, I explicitly remember when songs, like, uh, open the eyes of my heart and like in the secret like when those songs came out it was just uh like every youth event every church service usually the like back to back and and just the, it really became like anthems uh, i think i told you just before we started just like the the thing was i think something was captured um in in some of um the music that you know you guys were putting out and some other bands were putting out and, and other artists that were putting out in that in that season, there was something about that season that I think um, maybe shifted in in terms of worship, in terms of the what was coming out and and how it was almost like the way I look at it anyway, capturing the the heart cry of the generation that I grew up in, mm. and still to this day, like, um, I just blanked on the name of the song. Uh, I could sing of your love forever. Yeah. So. I don't know. That was that was the first. That was ninety nine, or was yep. that the the next? Yep. Okay, we did it on uh, the, the original album ninety nine, and then the Sonic Praise album as well. Both both albums. Okay, 
So, I mean, still to this day, like, that's one of my top go-to songs. Like, when it's just me and the Lord, I grab my guitar and I'm just singing. Yeah. That's, it's like that one. And, uh, like, Heart of Worship is another one. Uh, yes. Which, is, that's a Redmond song, I believe. Yeah. I yep. get confused because I think that was on your album, too, right? It was, yeah. And, of course, <laughs> like, you know, like, I get a little bit confused. I can see your love. You know, I can see your love is delirious. But yeah. Sonic Flood kind of was God used that band to kind of elevate those songs in a different way to a different generation. Uh, I think that's what happened. So, gotcha. Yeah. So it's just yeah. But anyway, so so many of those of the songs from that day that just like resonated with us so much in that season that we were in, and to the point that they're they're still just like they've stuck with me all these years and their songs that I mean, I love where we are right now. I love where yeah. the whole, you know, worship scene or whatever you want to call it is right now. But I still go back to so many of the songs from that day for, for me, like personally, and they help me, you know, really connect and worship God on my own. But so anyway, my just curious, just my question, like, and this, I don't know, I hope this is not, I hope I can formulate this question properly, but what are your thoughts on like maybe the differences between, back then and now like how things have evolved how things have shifted in terms of worship we want to call it worship culture yeah. or you know the, the way that um maybe in terms of the corporate worship life i i can't think of the right terminology here but do you, yeah. do you know do you gotcha. kind of understand what i'm asking yep Thank yep <laughs> i mean you know there's kind of like three different things there there's the kind of before uh sonic flood before delirious time kind of where i grew up in and then there's kind of like what happened in that early 2000s and then there's kind of this thing that's happening now you know and i mean obviously it kind of depends a little bit on the way that you grew up and what church and all those things but yes, you know, yes. one of the things that i see a couple things one is what i was talking about earlier how i like there was more of a horizontal worship thing going on mm. pre sonic flood pre um uh, delirious uh pre passion you know all that type of thing i i you know obviously it wasn't the case for everybody because there were there were some amazing worship things going on with integrity and uh, maranatha and those types of things but kind of right, more underground right. in a sense uh that didn't kind of quite rise to the surface and get to the the grander culture of church and so there was this i think too a huge part of this so so now i think it, it started becoming more relational like it was like mm. whoa this is more than a song service we kind of went from many churches going song service and song leader to a worship service and a worship leader to me those are pretty different you know uh it's more of a presentation with the song leader uh, whereas it's more relational, like, Hey, I'm pointing you to Jesus connect all that stuff. So another big yeah. thing that I think happened during that time is a convergence, um, where at least the way that I grew up, there was kind of these two categories. I had the music that I loved outside of church and then we had church music and it was like two different things. And for me, I didn't dislike church music. I, I don't know. I mean, it just was what it was. It was just that was kind of hymns, old songs, stylistically dated or whatever uh, for, for what I was used to. But I didn't mind it or dislike it, but it was just completely different than the music I listened to on the radio. Yeah. Completely different than the yeah. music that I enjoyed in my out-of-church time. And so there was no understanding at that time for me that you could bring those worlds together. 
Like I, mm. it was so baffling to me. Like, like I, I remember, and I still give uh, a great deal of credit to Pastor John McKenzie, uh, who pastors in Texas now, but he was the youth pastor at our church, at my church, uh, Cornerstone Church in Nashville at the time. And he was leading worship in the main service, but also was the youth pastor. And so he okay. would come in and he would take some of the, the songs from the slow songs from the main service and he would like speed them up a little bit and do them a little bit more exciting, you know, and, and I can see every love um, or, or like open the eyes of my heart and I want to know you in the secret. Those were a couple of the songs. So it was like this moment where like, wow, this is really powerful. And so when we started putting songs together, Sonic Flood, we grabbed those songs and we're like, okay, let's take this to the next level. Let's just create music that we actually love and you could actually worship to it as well. Like that was totally, yeah, and, and yeah. I don't think we really had a clue, Luke, what we were doing. It wasn't like we were like, <laughs> brilliant marketing scheme. You know, like we didn't know. We're like, hey, let's just make this crazy album where we like make music that we love and we can actually worship God to it, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think there was this convergence. All of a sudden people went, what? Like I can actually worship God with music that I enjoy? And, and it was just, it took, I mean, to me, I feel like, by the grace of God, it took a generation by storm, uh, old and young. You know, I mean, I, I still remember to this day, it was like everybody would, you know, back in the day, cassettes and CDs, they would buy two, at least two copies because you had to have one for the adults and one for the kids or one for the car and one for the right. house. You yeah, know? yeah. And That's then right. you had to buy a couple more because you had to give them to your neighbors. You're like, oh, my gosh, you got to you got to check this out. Like your world is colliding here, church and pop culture you know, in a good way is coming together. Um, now as, as many good things do, sometimes it, it still takes on a life of its own. That's not so good. Uh, from my perspective, I feel like after a few years, suddenly it became a big marketing scheme, which it wasn't when we did these songs, it was like, now all of a sudden everybody went, Oh, Sonic Flood's selling so many albums. We should do this too. So now it's third day and, Rebecca St. James and Newsboys and, you know, Michael Levy Smith, everybody's doing their worship albums, which of course were uh, hugely successful. I think most of those artists, those were their top selling uh, albums uh, of their career, of their time. Maybe Newsboys not, I'm not sure, but, but, you know, it was like this fad now all of a sudden. And mm. it, it kind of like, there was this, this tightrope walk I was walking. I felt like when we were in the middle of all that, I was like so happy on one sense because I'm like, oh, God is being glorified yeah. in the midst of pop culture, in the church, you know, on the radio. There was no such thing as worship on the radio before right. 1999. There was not one song on the radio that was a wow. worship song. And now, you know, radio isn't really a thing, but Spotify playlists and all this stuff, you know, I mean, it's it's everywhere, worship music. And so it it was it was good in one sense, but then you know, do it became, oh, well, I, I like Rebecca St. James version of that song. Well, I, I, I can only worship to the uh, Hillsong version of that song or the, uh, you know, delirious version of that song. And so the right. very thing, the heart of worship, I'll bring you more than a song. It all of a sudden became about the song again. You know, it became wow. about the version wow. or the band doing the song. And so it kind of had this backlash uh, as as many good things do, you know, when man mm. kind of grabs a hold of something yeah. and, and tries yeah. to manufacture it, um, then it can take on a life of its own that's not so good. 
So I think there's a lot of great things. I think a lot of, you know, obviously now we do have this huge church movement, kind of a local church from Hillsong to Bethel to Elevation, you know, uh, all these different churches now, you know, doing modern, what we call modern worship. Um, and obviously it's cool to see how a lot of that has come out of uh, that time in 1999. So Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love, thank, thanks for sharing your perspective on that. I, um, man, it's so crazy. I, I could just imagine that sort of being there, being in the midst of it, you know, and having that perspective of, I don't know, man, like I don't even want to, I, I know we're running out of time. Um, so I, I don't, I, I cause I do want to ask you about your book before we go. Sure, um, sure. But I just think just to kind of, just in agreement with what you just said, you know, I, I can just imagine that there being this thing like, okay, we're, we're putting out worship music, right? We're, we're yep. doing this to glorify the Lord, but Oh, it's starting to blow up and we're starting to get famous and now yep. people know us. And there's this tension kinda, there. There's tension. This was kind of like pre, at least in 99, 2000, like that's, that's pre YouTube. Yeah. But now, you know, stuff can just blow up like so quickly these yep. days. And, uh, you know, I just think, yeah, that that tension, like you said, and just I think it's important for anybody, for all of us from the person that's in the worship service with everybody else. But maybe like I want people to hear me like I want people to hear me singing or, you know, or to the person who's on the stage on TV, like with the hundreds of millions of YouTube views, whatever, yeah. like wherever, wherever you are, you know, I think for all of us, it just becomes so important to guard our heart in that yeah. sense and to to just always come to that place. Like we, like we keep mentioning in the song, this simple heart of worship, right? Like, yes. And, and, uh, and maintaining this just softness, sensibility before the Lord, sort of that brokenness and surrender before him. I think that that's something that could keep, keep us safe in that, yeah. in that process. You know what I mean? Of, yep. you know, just sort of that humility and brokenness before God where it's, you know, just over and over again, God, it's just, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's not about yeah. me. It's all about you. Well, and I still remember, you know, one of those artists that everybody would know coming back after two doing two worship albums and saying, you know, kind of privately this was said, but, oh, the worship fad is over, so I'm going to go back to pop Christian music. You know? Wow. <laughs> Obviously, the worship fad has not ended, nor did it start <laughs> with Sonic Blood, nor, did, well, nor will it end with any artists, you know. But it's just funny to think about that. It's kind of sad. It breaks my heart that they're just yeah. kind of trying to ride the wave. Like, oh, it's popular to do worship. Let's do worship. Mm -hmm. Now it's not popular to do worship. And, of course, it still is yeah. extremely popular <laughs> to do worship music. And sure. people are hungry sure. to know God, and that's why. Absolutely. Well, so I do want to mention your book. I'm going to put it up on the screen here uh, for anybody watching. Uh, the book is called Awakening Pure Worship, and I wanted to have a little bit more time to get into this, Jeff, but I don't. So could you just maybe share just your overall, your your heart for the book, why you wrote this book, and uh, the impact that is just the impact that you're passionate about having on, on this generation when it comes to awakening pure worship? Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it is that heart of purity. You know, I think one of the reasons that I use the word awakening is because I feel like we have fallen asleep as to what the most important purpose in life is. And I feel like there's a generation that needs to be awakened to the fact that fellowship, 
with God is the number one point of life. You know, again, yes. we talked about it earlier. We have so many things that God calls us to do. Go and make disciples, you know, uh, feed the poor, social justice things, all these things that we're supposed to do, uh, which are all very good. But the only reason we're doing those things is so that all people can get restored and reconciled to God. So, like, for example, one of the things I talk about in the book is that I feel like we have a misunderstanding of the cross. Uh, I say the cross is a beginning, not an end. And a lot of people think people in the church and people who are seekers or who don't don't know the Lord yet, they kind of have this mentality that it's all about forgiveness. Like if I can just get to Jesus and be forgiven, then that's the end. And I'm like, guys, that's not the end. That's the beginning. Like the wow. point of life is not to be forgiven. <laughs> the point of life, and, and I often say it like this. I try to, you know, get people thinking and I'll say something like this. You know, Jesus didn't die for your sins. And then I'll pause. People are like, what? You know, like if I could throw something through the screen, I would, you know. Jesus didn't die for your sins. He died to reconcile you to the Father. And your mm. sins were just standing in the way. So I, I like to hit on purpose things, bottom line issues of life and go, okay, forgiveness is a means to the true end, which is fellowship with the Father. You know, I mean, you look at, at uh, uh, John 14, 6, you know, Jesus covers this. But what if I was to tell you that, you know, this, this popular verse, I'm the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. What if I told you that verse is not about Jesus? And people are like, what? If there's any verse in the Bible, that verse is about Jesus. Like, I am the way, the truth, the life. But but what does it say? What's the purpose? No one comes to the Father. Father. That is the purpose of life, is to come to the Father. Through Jesus, it's impossible to come without him. It's impossible to come without being forgiven. But the point of life is not to be forgiven. The point of life is to come to the Father. And so the mm. only way that can happen is through Jesus in the power of the spirit of God, we are now reconciled to the father. So that to me changes everything. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg with this book. Uh, but, but there's so much in you know, my heart here is this book is for anybody and everybody. It's not really a book about music, even though we do talk about, I talk about worship, mus musical worship in the book and how it can help you catapult into relationship with God. But uh, it's really about you just learning to grow a close connection with God and how every person yeah. on the planet was meant to have that fellowship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so great. And uh, so the book is available on Amazon.com. Again, I'm going to bring it up one more time for anybody watching. It's called Awakening Pure Worship. I mean, really, Jeff, like really, I was reading through some stuff, really fantastic reviews. Mm. Um ton of just like awesome endorsements from from men and women of god in the you know in the body of christ uh forward by bob sorge who's like yes. just an amazing amazing man of god amazing teacher on worship and um and yeah then, just and just really really recommend the book i love i love the i love even even your writing style hmm. like there there's an aspect to this interview like you and i just met like a few minutes before this interview started <laughs> But there is an there is an element where like I felt like to a certain extent, not in a creepy way that I kind of knew you because yeah. the way that you are, the way that you talk, the way that, you know, I've, I've um, seen some of your content and different things. And and uh, the way that you write, too, I just feel like you're so accessible mm. and just letting people into your world. 
and sharing from your personal experience and things like that. And, and I think um, I remember reading this, I don't know if it was in the book or about the book or what it was, but it was letting people into, you know, understanding your awakening experience with God yes. and then leading people into their own personal awakening, awakening experience or awakening to pure worship. Yeah, and, that's uh, so, so true because that, that is that is a big part of the book is that especially the first couple of chapters in it. If you are like a Sonic Flood fan from back in the day, I share a lot of the personal stories of how God changed my life, you know, as yeah. a part of being a Sonic Flood and how Sonic Flood came about. And, you know, like I said, I didn't grow up with worship in a vertical sense. So how that shift began happening in my life and the journey that I've been on since then. So if that will help you, I think for number one, it's entertaining in sense, the story, but, but just to understand, Hey, there's others, there's other people out there like you, you know, I grew up in a church where if you lifted your hand, you had a question, you know? So right. <laughs> my life has been changed since then. And, and uh, just the close fellowship with God. So important. So if people want to, you know, like you said, they can go to Amazon. They can also go to jeffdo.com. And I've got all the resources there. You can get you a personal signed copy, you know, all that type of stuff. So I would love to do that. Or if you're a pastor or worship leader that's watching, uh, we also do like a bulk discount because I send a lot of uh, boxes of books to pastors, worship pastors, so they can go through them with their worship teams, go through them, go through the book with their staff. And so we'll do discounts uh, like that too through the website. That's fantastic. Well, I can't recommend it enough. Um, so again, jeffdo.com for anybody listening. Dio is D-E-Y-O. Uh, so jeffdo.com. Uh, Jeff, just before we we end here, is, is there anywhere else that you would point people uh, to go for additional resources? Absolutely. Your podcast? I, know, I know you're not uh, currently recording new episodes, but um, you've got a bank of episodes there where you really go in and explore some of these concepts from the book and in a, yep. in a fun, dynamic way where you're talking, you have a co-host, I can't remember his name, but but talking yep. with, uh, you know, your co-host there and going through exploring some of these concepts. And uh, and I think that's really, really, could really, really be helpful to a lot of people, too. So Yeah, absolutely. Like some people, you know, are like, oh, I'm not really a reader, you know. Well, there's a few options. We do have the audio book. Audio, so you baby. Can audible. You can do that. I actually read it myself. So it's me talking in your ear. <laughs> of course, you got the uh, digital copies, the ebook as well. Uh, but then as Luke mentioned, uh, you know, we have the podcast. So it's called Pure Worship, The Pure Worship Podcast. And there are 40 episodes there. And we dive in. Josh Edwards is my co-host. And we're kind of cracking jokes and having fun, but also going deep uh, where we kind of go through the book chapter by chapter and highlight some things. So if that's more your style, you might check that out. Then also you can check out new music uh, from me as well. You know, if you were a Sonic Flood fan and that's all you've ever heard from me, I have some ind independent albums. I have some albums with Goatee uh, Records. Uh, my newest full length worship album was actually 2012. But if you haven't heard it, Moving Mountains, check that out. This last year, I just released an instrumental piano EP along with all the videos on YouTube and everything, uh, just worshipful piano music. You kind of put it on the background and use, use it for prayer or, or just to, to relax and rest in God or whatever. So that's called From Eternity. And one last thing would be uh, our North Central University music. I have the joy of writing. This is kind of where I scratch my itch for writing and recording right now. Uh, I do a lot of writing and recording with our students 
And then I'm telling you, we have put out some really incredible songs. Uh, we usually do anywhere from three to five songs per year. We just released three this last year. Uh, one of my favorites is a song called Invading. Had a chance to co-write that. There's videos. Everything's on Apple Music, Spotify, all that. But the artist's name is NCU Worship Live. NCU Worship Live. Follow us on Spotify. Check out the music on Apple Music, all that stuff. So there's some great tunes. Well, Jeff, thank you again, man. Really appreciate you. Appreciate your time. I appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, in the body of Christ and all that you're teaching and imparting and just wanting people to come into that place of deeper friendship with God and uh, knowing that that they're loved and accepted and cultivating that intimacy with God that really is possible and so accessible to us. All right, guys, the episode's over, but thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out some of those resources that Jeff was talking about. Visit his website, jeffdio.com. Check out his book and some other resources that he has available there, or go to amazon.com. The name of the book is Awakening Pure Worship, and I really want to encourage you to check out his podcast as well, The Pure Worship Podcast with Jeff Dio. Really good resources and tools there, and uh, really in real simple, practical, down-to-earth ways breaking down some of these concepts that I think will help you go deeper with the Lord in developing that friendship and intimacy that's available to you in Christ Jesus. So thank you guys again. If this episode blessed you, please consider subscribing to Real Live Talk on one of the podcast platforms. If you'd consider sharing it with someone that you think could benefit from listening to it as well and leaving a review, that would really mean the world to me. Thank you guys and I'll see you next time.